Can we lift our hands right now and just wait on the presence of the Lord for a moment? Hallelujah. The presence of God is here in such a special way. If you didn't know, 2,000, approximately 2,000 years ago, there were 120 people gathered in the upper room on this day, Pentecost Sunday. And the church of Jesus Christ was born as the Spirit of God was poured out upon His people. And guess what? He's been doing it ever since. He's been baptizing people with His Spirit ever since. And I believe the presence that we feel in this place is the same presence that they felt 2,000 years ago. Can we just give God a moment? Can we just give God some praise? However you do that. If it's clapping hands, clap your hands. If it's raising your voice, raise your voice. But can we just give God some glory in this place? God, we thank You. We thank You. We thank You, Lord. We thank You, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to read from Acts chapter 1 today as we get into the Word of God. I want to thank this worship team for leading us into the presence of the King of Kings. Can we give them a hand? Amen. Such amazing talent. But talent is useless without anointing. I'm thankful we have an anointed worship team. Amen. Acts chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse 4. I'm going to give you a moment to turn there. And I just want to reiterate, Pastor and Sister Erlene slipped out of town. They were not able to go on their vacation, but they tried to do a little amended vacation that would be more fitting for what Sister Erlene's going through. And uh, we need to pray. Pray for our pastor and his wife that God would give them the rest that they need. Amen. It's a great burden and task to carry the weight of a church. And uh, I honor our pastor and thank him for allowing me to take care of service to preach the Word of God today. Can we give our pastor and his wife a hand clap of thanks? Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 1, verse number 4 says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Somebody say, wait for the promise of the Father. This is Jesus in his last address to the disciples after he's risen from the dead, just before he ascends into the clouds. And he tells them, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Today I want to preach a little different on Pentecost Sunday. I want to preach this message. Are you ready to receive? I believe there are things that God wants to give His church. Miracles, healings, breakthroughs, financial blessings. He wants to increase somebody's anointing. He wants to enable somebody to to reach their world, to make a difference. But are you ready 
to receive what God has for you. I believe the Spirit of the Lord is going to move in this place. And can we just ask Him one more time? God, would you have your way? God, would you open our hearts to receive, to hear what the Spirit is saying today, God? Would you help us, Lord, to prepare our hearts to receive what you have for us in this place today? In the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You can be seated. I want to say it's good to see Jada Mack back for the summer. We love Jada Mack. Amen. We love our college kids. I am not the most prepared person. Can anybody relate? Anybody really prepared? Just wave your hand. If you, if you know what you're doing next week already, you always prepared. You, my wife is a list maker. Today I was talking to her about what I was preaching. She said, preach about lists. You can't be prepared without a list. Li- a, a list, not a list. <laughs> you can't be prepared without a list. You've got to have a list. And uh, We can't just go on a weekend trip because she's super prepared. I'm never that prepared. Now, I'm prepared for preaching. Don't, don't get me wrong. I prepared for this. But most of the time, I'm just not prepared for things. I just, just wasn't ready for that. I think back to last year, and I, I've talked about it before, but I love it so much, so I'm going to tell it again. Little Carly was on a quiz trip with us, and she left her toothpaste at home. And, uh, you know, her, her good-tasting bubblegum toothpaste. And all Dad uh, had was some spicy toothpaste. And she said, I didn't know I was signing up for this when I joined Bible quizzing. She was all for the Word of God, but she wasn't prepared for the spicy toothpaste. She wasn't ready for that. Anybody ever not been ready for something? You thought you were going to go in and have a nice meeting with a boss, and it turned on you because you weren't ready for what was happening? Or you got an opportunity that you had wanted for a long time, but you found yourself completely unprepared for what, uh, what lie ahead of you, the opportunity? You see, I'm not that prepared. My wife is very prepared. You can't catch her off guard. And there are people like that, amen, that just always prepared for anything. Last year I went to a preaching conference and it was uh, in Alexandria. It was raining cats and dogs and everybody was holding their suit coats. Everybody's dressed nice and running to try to get out of the rain. And along came Pastor Daryl Johns from Atlanta, Georgia. And he had these plastic covers over his shoes. He had a trench coat on and a plastic cover over this hat that he was wearing with an umbrella and like he was just cruising along. He came inside and he took off his shoes. He had a little handbag and he put on his other shoes. He, he had a plastic covers on his backup shoes. He was prepared. He was ready for whatever was coming. I asked him, I said, man, did you, you must have checked the weather today. He said, you know, my son is an Eagle Scout. And he said, I've learned to always be prepared. Always be prepared. No matter what's coming. But most of us, if we're honest about life, we're not always prepared for what life gives us. We're not always ready for what life throws at us. We thought we knew everything about parenting until we had a kid. I always laugh. People say, well, my, my kids ain't. Wait, hey, let's just get one thing straight. You ain't ready yet. <laughs> You're not ready for this. Because they'll throw seven kinds of smoke you never saw coming at you. You're not ready. Some people think they're prepared and they're not prepared. And then you have people who over-prepare. But one thing is certain is God is always prepared. Can I get an amen? The scripture describes Him as omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, which means all-powerful. 
He knows, the Bible says, the end from the beginning. That doesn't mean that he knows the difference between the end and the beginning. That means that when it starts, he already knows how it's going to end. He's prepared for every possibility that can come up. He's ready for any circumstance that life can throw at you. He knows the end from the beginning. Isaiah 46.10. He said, I declare the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. You can't fool God. You can't surprise God because God is ready for anything and everything. God knows the end of a thing from the start. And so his timing and his planning is perfect. His counsel can stand and his purpose will be accomplished because he knows every permutation of the story. He knows every bend that is in the road. And there is nothing that he is not prepared for. You can't catch God off guard. If it's happening, he has considered it in his plan and you can rest assured that he is prepared to handle it. God can take care of it. If you haven't noticed, God always prepares before He acts. Don't tell my wife, but she's godly in that way. And she doesn't do anything without preparing. He sets up a thing before He unfolds His plans. The Bible says that He spent six days preparing the earth. And then He filled it, right? Then placed its first inhabitants into an environment that was sufficient and able to receive them. He didn't put man on the earth before he put air on the earth. He didn't put man on the earth before he put food on the earth. He did things in order. And he made preparations so that humanity could thrive. And, and, and that, that there was an environment that was sufficient to receive them. See, then when man fell, the Bible says he promised the Savior. But the Savior didn't come right away. I've preached about this before, but it just sticks out in my mind that generations came and went from the face of the earth. Time steadily marched forward through Adam, uh, uh, through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, through Joseph, through Moses, Joshua, Gideon, David. Time marching on, still no Messiah, still no Savior, still no solution to the sin problem. But Galatians 4.4 says this, that when the fullness of the time had come. That God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Not just at any random moment. Not just at any random time. But when the fullness of the time had come. In other words, when everything had been put into time that needed to go into time. Then He came. When the situation was prepared for them, then He arrived. He prepared a way before Him. All the promises of God in Him were stored up against the right time. When all had been done to prepare for His coming, the Bible says He came. And there was a necessary process, some preparations that had to be made before the world could receive Him. The Bible says John had to come first. Scripture calls him the forerunner of Christ. And it is not coincidental that John preached the message of preparation. He was preparing the way. For the world to receive Jesus. That was his job. His one function. His calling. Matthew 3, three. For this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. 
What John was doing is John came to a nation that was far from God. And John was saying, you guys have got to get ready because Jesus is coming. You've got to get ready because Messiah is coming. Everything that's crooked in your life, you've got to straighten it out because Messiah is coming. Everything, every valley has to be exalted. And every mountain has to be made low. You've got to make a straight path because the Lord is coming. Think about this. He had no other message. He had no other message than repent because God is coming. The Messiah, the King, is coming. He had no other message. Every week they went to church and he preached the same thing. Every week the crowds would go out to meet him and he would preach. You've got to get ready because the Messiah is coming. You've got to prepare your hearts. Prepare your lives because Jesus is soon coming. His message sounded like this. Make room for the Savior to come. Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. Make a straight path. Messiah is coming. Every valley be exalted. And every mountain be laid flat. Every crooked place be made straight. Because we want to be ready when the Messiah gets here to receive Him. I want to tell you that repentance looks like preparation. And preparation looks like repentance. The nation could not receive the Messiah that God had been promising since the beginning. They could not receive Him unless they first prepared their hearts to crown Him and to make Him the King of their life. Jesus was sent, or John was sent to prepare hearts to receive and know Jesus. 4,000 years, He didn't show up. 4,000 years had passed and He didn't come. But when John preached preparation, Scripture says that He came suddenly to His kingdom. Malachi 3.1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom ye seek, shall suddenly come to His temple. No sign of His coming. No, no evidence of His coming. 4,000 years of time marching on, but suddenly a preacher shows up and says, Get ready! Get ready! He's coming! And suddenly, the Bible says, He arrives to His temple. How is something that took 4,000 years sudden? How is it? Because they had got so used to waiting that they weren't expecting it. That their preparation would... Make it possible for him to show up. 4,000 years and he shows up suddenly. Luke one seventeen says this, and, you, and he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. In other words, Jesus didn't show up until there were hearts that were ready to receive him. You want to know the difference between church that changes lives and church that doesn't change lives? It is simply the preparation of the people's hearts. You want God to show up in your situation? Start preparing for Him. You want God to show up in your family? Make room for Him in your family. You want God to show up in your career? Prepare the way of the Lord. John was an ambassador of preparation. And when all had been prepared, suddenly the Son of God stepped into the spotlight of time. And John declared suddenly, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. 
Ladies and gentlemen, my message today isn't complicated, but it's powerful. That you can only receive from God what you are prepared to receive. You can only receive from God what you have prepared to receive. Above all else. You must be ready. You've got to be ready. Because the same God who causes trees to cast fruit in their season. The same God who ordains the times and seasons. Who knows the end from the very beginning. Is the God who shows up in power when the preparation has been completed. Because God always moves into prepared circumstances. When Solomon completed the temple. And everything had been anointed and dedicated. The Bible says, Then the glory cloud filled the house so that the priest could not stand to minister. The atmosphere had been properly prepared. Everything that had been anointed or that needed to be anointed had been anointed. Every priest that had needed to be cleansed and commissioned had been cleansed and commissioned. And every wall and every curtain and every ring and, and every detail had been brought into alignment with God's plan. When they were prepared, suddenly... The Spirit of God showed up so that they couldn't even do what they set out to do. He showed up so pervasively that they didn't even have to act. He just moved in. The glory cloud fell upon the people. You see, if you can prepare, if you can be ready, then you can receive from God. If you can be ready, then you can receive from God. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells the sobering story of the ten virgins who awaited the bridegroom's coming. Most of us have heard the story. But what we don't realize is that they were the wedding party whose job it was to light the way of the bride to the bridegroom. They did not know at what hour he would come. And so it was necessary for them to live ready for the soon coming of the bridegroom. They had to be ready when he showed up. They had to have oil in their lamp laid up against the day that he would arrive. Because if he arrived and there was no oil in their lamp, they were disinvited from the wedding. Because they could serve no purpose for the wedding. The job of the ten virgins was to light the way from the bride to the groom. And so when the bridegroom shows up, the Bible tells us that there were five who were ready and five who weren't. Now I want you to get the picture. He could come at any time, at any moment. So they had to be ready, prepared. And the five foolish who were unprepared wasted their oil and didn't preserve it against his arrival. And so the Bible says at the midnight hour, a knock came at the door. The bridegroom had arrived on the scene. The wedding was about to go down. They didn't have a scheduled date. It would have driven some of you prepared people crazy. Because it's kind of like whenever he gets here, we get married. We ain't wasting no time. Sort of like a jailhouse wedding, but no jailhouse. You know, sort of like a, a justice of the peace. Let's go in here, our Vegas wedding. Let's just get it done right now. When the bridegroom showed up, he said, we're getting married tonight. We're doing it now. We're getting married and, and the, the, the ceremony will commence when the bridegroom comes. And, and so the Bible says that the five wasted their oil. And when the bridegroom came knocking at the door, they scrambled to the five wise, begging them. They knew the prepared people. They said, please, can you help me? Please, can you share some oil with me? Can, can, you, can you make up the difference for what I didn't do before he arrived? They scrambled to the wise, begging them for oil. They weren't ready for the moment that had come upon them. They were caught unprepared. And they tried to rely on the preparation of the wise. But hear this today in the Holy Ghost, that you have to be prepared yourself 
when the bridegroom returns. You can't rely on somebody else's preparation for what God wants to do for you and in you. You've got to be ready yourself to respond to the moment. That at any moment God calls, that at any moment God arrives, that at any moment the eastern clouds split, and a trumpet sounds that you are ready for what God wants to give you. For our redemption draws nigh. Because they weren't ready, they ran to the market to ready themselves, but it was too late. The five wise went in and were a part of the wedding. They received their honor and fulfilled their purpose because they were prepared for the moment. And the only thing standing between the five foolish and receiving what was intended for them was their level of preparedness. The difference between the foolish and the wise is that the foolish were not ready to receive. They were not prepared to receive what was designated for them. And so I've come to ask someone today, are you ready to receive what God has ordained for you? Are you ready for what God wants to do in your life and in your family? Perhaps God wants to heal somebody today. Are you prepared for God to heal you? Perhaps in this room today, God wants to baptize somebody with the Holy Ghost. Are you ready to receive what God has for you? Perhaps this is the day that God has set for the return of the Lord. I want to ask you, are you ready for the return of the Lord and the rapture of the church? What if today is the day that God wants to give you your redemption? Are you ready for what God has for you? Are you ready? Have you prepared your heart? Have you made room for God to move? Have you made a path for Him to arrive in His power? You see, if we learn anything in Scripture, it is that you have to believe to receive. But I'm here to tell you today that faith looks like preparation. We always say, Lord, increase my faith. How many of you ever pray that? Lord, give me faith. Tell me to have faith, Lord. And we try to believe harder. But I want to tell you what faith looks like in real time. It looks like preparation. It looks like preparing. It was on the eve of Israel's historic breakthrough that Moses declares to all God's people enslaved in Egypt. He said, I want you to take the lamb, the Passover lamb, and I want you to eat the lamb with your shoes on and your staff in your hand. Because tonight I'm going to pass through the land of Egypt and the death angel will pass over the Egyptians. And tomorrow morning... When the sun clears the sky, it's going to be time to go. And so you've got to be ready to go when the time arrives. In Exodus 12, it says it this way. In this manner shall you eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. Eat it quickly. Because you don't know at what moment the trumpet is going to sound and it's going to be time for us to leave this Egypt that we've been stuck in. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will go through the land of Egypt that night. Moses was simply saying, That when you obey God and eat the lamb, be ready for things to unfold quickly. I think we get so used to waiting that we're not prepared for God suddenly. This is what faith looks like. He doesn't say, enjoy a nice meal, take a nap, kick your feet back, have a cup of sweet tea, and just relax. I'll come come get you up when it's time to go. He says, no, when you eat this Passover lamb... And when you, when you take this lamb into your life, he said, you've got to have your shoes on. You've got to have your belt fastened. 
because you're fixing to do some moving. You've got to have your staff in your hand to keep you from stumbling because when God moves, it's time for us to move. When God says it's time to go, it's time for us to step out. And Moses tells the people, if you have faith that God's going to do it, don't just eat the lamb. You've got to eat the lamb with one hand. Anybody ever done that? Throwing down a lunch as you're running out the house, you've got a sandwich in one hand and car keys in the other that's what God says. He says, you take your staff in your hand when you eat the lamb. He says, you've got to be so ready for God to show up and so ready for God to move that when he moves, there is no hesitation. There is no preparing left to do. There's nothing that has to be sorted out or put in place. You don't go through the house and flip off the lights. He said, when it's time to go, have your belt fastened, your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand because I'm going to move quickly. And when I move, you need to be ready to move with me. You got to be ready. I'm preaching to someone today that we are missing out on miracles. And we are missing out on deliverance because we're not ready for it. We're not prepared for it. We've let the world distract us, we've let the enemy discourage us. We've let our minds drift and our hearts grow cold. But I hear the Spirit saying to somebody today, get ready. Get ready. Be prepared to move when God moves. Be prepared to go when God says go. Be ready to receive and respond when my word goes forth. Because God wants to heal. God wants to deliver. God wants to turn someone's life around. But you've got to be ready to receive what God has prepared for you. I love the story of the widow with a need. The Bible says she meets the prophet Elijah. And he had the audacity to ask her for her last little bit of oil and flour. The Bible tells the story that she's down to her last little cake of flour and her last oil for her and her son. And they're going to split it in half. She said, we plan to eat and then we're going to die. There's no recourse, there's no rescue, there's no welfare program, there's nobody to help us, there's no hope for us. We just plan to eat it and die. And the preacher shows up and says, give it here. I'm hungry. I don't think Elijah was fat. But I bet you he looked fat to her. I bet you he looked well fed to her. And you know what faith looks like? Faith looks like this little lady saying, well, we were just going to eat it and die. But if it's needed for the kingdom to continue, I'll give it to you. And the Bible says that she somehow agrees. She somehow agrees to give the last little bit that she had left, the last little moment of pleasure before her and her son went into a time of starving. And death by starving is no joke. But she gave it willingly. And the Bible says the prophet spoke back to her and he told her, he said, now I want you to go get all the empty vessels that you can find because God is about to do something in your life. Because you are willing to obey the voice of God, God is getting ready to do something in your life and he's going to give you more oil than you can contain with this last vessel that you have. He wants to bless you exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask or think. And he's able to do it. And so here's what I want you to do, widow. I know you have nothing left in your vessel. And just having one vessel full would probably be a great miracle to you. But he said, I want you to go knock on your neighbor's house. And I want you to knock on the door until they open and say... Do you have any empty vessels? Because I need to borrow your vessels. They knew she was starving. And no doubt she looked like a fool. Looked like somebody who was out of her mind. Going house to house. Neighbor to neighbor. Friend to friend. The same people that wouldn't give her any food. 
But she's asking for vessels. Because God is getting ready to do something for me. God is, the prophet said God has a promise for me that he's prepared. And so she, in faith, went door to door and said, can I have some vessels, please? Please, somebody bring me an empty vessel. She went to the marketplace. Are you using that vessel? I need that vessel. What do you need it for? God is going to do something. The Bible says when she had gathered all the vessels and went back to her house, out of that empty vessel, God began to fill it. And she began to pour out into all of these vessels that she had gathered. More than she could ever contain if she had not prepared. You see, the level of your blessing is determined by the level of your preparedness. If you came here today and you said, God can't do anything for me, God won't do anything for you. But if you came with an empty vessel and said, God, you're my last hope. You're my last desire. I'm gathering everything that I have and I'm putting it before you, God, to fill it up. God can move in a prepared situation. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for what God has for you? I'm convinced of this, that God has promises that we have not yet captured. God's will towards us is a good will. The Bible says every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of life in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In other words, once He determines that it's for you, it's for you. All you've got to do is prepare yourself to receive it. Once he, There's no shadow. He's not going to change His mind. Uh, if He wants you to be healed, He's going to heal you. you just got to get ready for God to heal you. If He's going to fill you with the Spirit, He's going to fill you. you just got to prepare your heart and your mind for what God is going to do. I love her faith. Bring me another empty vessel. It reminds me of the, the miracle of the multiplying of the bread, of the loaves. The Bible says that He took a loaf and broke it and blessed it. And He handed it out to thousands of people, 5,000, 3,000. Handed it out to all these people. And the Bible says that when it was over, they took up 12 baskets full of fragments. Let me ask you something. Who brings a basket when nobody's got bread? Who brings a basket when nobody has bread? What were they doing with baskets here? Somebody had enough faith to bring a basket when they didn't have anything. When there's no hope, and this is what I'm preaching to you, is when there is no hope, you have the choice of whether you will leave your faith at home or whether you will show up ready to receive. Whether you will come to God willing and able and ready to receive. I may not have. I love the other little widow in the same passage as the widow with the vessels that built a room onto her house for the kingdom of God. She literally made room in her life for God to move. She had no child, but she made room in her life. And God opened her womb and gave her a blessing because she made room in her life for the things of God. And then when that son died, She's the one who said, it is well with my soul. Why? Because I've prepared for this. I've obeyed God. I've always listened to His Word. I've stayed faithful. I haven't given up. And so when my trouble comes, I don't have to worry. I'm prepared to receive my healing. I'm prepared to receive what God has for me. My. I want to tell you the level of your preparation will determine the level of your outpouring. When she had finally gathered all she could find, God multiplied and met her need. Because she had prepared the path for God to do what God does best. Preparation is the expression of faith. And I want to tell you today, the power is in the preparation. I mean, preparation sounds, it sounds boring, doesn't it? 
We like the main event. We had a quiz tournament. I spent all week preparing for it, moving chairs, moving tables. Move this here. No, that doesn't look good there. We move that there. Back and forth, preparing, getting ready. That's not a lot of fun. People want to sign up for the event team. They don't want to sign up for the preparation team. That's why we call it an event team. <laughs> nobody, nobody celebrates preparation. But the power is in the preparation. Here's the law of the kingdom. The Bible says this, Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. In other words, if you didn't plant it, don't expect to harvest it. Whatsoever a man... Now, I know... We talk about that as sin. You sow your wild oats and you're going to reap judgment, right? But it works the other way too. It's when you sow into the kingdom, you reap a harvest of what you have sown. You can't throw out one kind of seed and get a different kind of harvest. And you're planting something in your life. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. What God is talking about there is... Whatever you're preparing for and whatever you're setting your life up for is the kind of harvest that you're going to receive. If you have no commitment towards God, you're setting yourself up to be disappointed in religion. If you treat God as somebody to show up when you've got trouble and to ignore when you don't, you're setting yourself up for disappointment and discouragement. And you're setting yourself up to have a need. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The sowing is preparation. And we ask for a harvest. But you know what God gives us? Seeds. God, I need a harvest. God gives you seeds. God, I need my family. I need my marriage to be brought back together. God doesn't wave a wand. God gives you seeds to plant. Plant love. Plant commitment, plant integrity, plant communication, and God can give you a harvest that you've prepared for and that you've made preparation for. You can't receive what you haven't planted. You've got to do something with what you have before you can graduate to what God has for you next. And we cannot expect to receive what we have never asked God for. He said this, you, he said, you have not because you Ask not. Why? Why does God require us to ask? He knows our need before we speak it. Do you know what asking does? Do you know what prayer does? Let's call it prayer. Prayer prepares our hearts to receive and to expect what God already wants to give us. The Bible says that we should pray after this manner. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it already is in heaven. In other words, God's already planned. God's already prepared all of these things. But He says you don't have it because you didn't ask for it. You're sitting back saying, I wish somebody would pray for me. Why don't you just open up your mouth and say, God, I need you to heal me. God, I need your touch on my life. God, I need you to get me out of this nightmare situation. God, I need your help. I need your strength. I need your peace. Don't expect what you're not praying for and what you're not preparing for. But we, on the other hand, we can expect to receive what we have prepared for. The woman with the issue of blood pushed until she uh, reached the hem of his garment. And she received what she had prepared for when she was pushing. 
Because she said in her soul, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I can be made whole. Prayer, faith, prepares us to receive and to expect what we have prepared for. Jairus asked until he received. Blind Bartimaeus cried out all the more until Jesus heard his cry and healed his eyes. The demoniac came running and fell at the feet of Jesus and was delivered. Because you can expect to receive what you have prepared for. The man at Bethesda's pool positioned himself by the water so he could be healed. And he could expect to receive what he had prepared his life for. What he had set himself up for. Peter stepped out of the boat so he could walk on the water. And Paul and Silas sang praises at midnight until the foundations were shaken. And here's what I've come to tell somebody today. is Sometimes the preparation invites the power. Sometimes you don't feel like it. And sometimes it doesn't look like it could even come to pass. Sometimes it seems like it's just a shot in the dark. But I want to tell you that when you begin to pray, and when you begin to believe for what God has for you, that you can begin to expect God to show up. Because the Bible says that He is not evil. That He will not give us the Holy Spirit when we ask for it. He is not evil that He will deny us the things that He has promised and prepared for us, but we've got to be ready to receive it. I'm coming to a close. I want our musicians to get ready. Because on Pentecost Sunday, I can't think of a more fitting message. The overlooked miracle of Pentecost Sunday is the 120 that were in the upper room. 120 people. If you rewind about seven to ten days, the Bible says there were 500 that witnessed, personally witnessed the resurrection um, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. Now there was 500 people standing there, Brother Darrell, watching him go up in the cloud saying, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. But through the process of time, faith is revealed whether it exists or not. The Bible says that of those 500, I'm I'm guessing the great majority went back into Jerusalem and began to wait for the promise of the Father. Let Let me take a second and talk about the promise. In the book of Joel, chapter number two, 800 years before the promise was poured out, on the day of Pentecost. 800 years before Pentecost, the prophet Joel said, In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I'll pour it out. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall have visions and your old men shall dream dreams. 800 years. And Jesus tells them, if you just go wait a few days, just go tarry, just go wait until you are endued with power from on high. And the Bible says that of the 500, 120, 7 to 10 days later, are left that are still seeking the promise and preparing for the soon coming of the Lord. They're preparing for what God has promised them. Have you ever prayed for anything for a while and just felt like, man, this isn't working? Is there anybody honest in the house today? (laughs) Anybody honest? God, I've been praying for it. I've been seeking after it. I've been hoping. I've been believing. I've been working my faith up. 
Of the 500, all but 120 somehow bailed on the process. But the Bible says 120 are the overlooked miracle because they were in the upper room daily gathering in that same room with the Last Supper. They would get together and they would kneel down and they'd say, God, you spoke a promise to me. And so, God, I'm staying. I'm waiting. You said to wait, God, that I, I'm sure it wouldn't be long because you asked us to wait. And so, God, we're gathering again today to receive, God. We're gathering again today because of your promise, because of your plan, because of the good things that you've declared over my life. God, we're here and we're asking and we're hoping. Seven days, it didn't happen for them. Seven days, at least seven days they prayed and the heavens did not open and the wind did not come. At least seven days. But you know what the seven days was? The seven days was their preparation for the promise. They were preparing themselves and they were getting themselves in a posture and a position to receive all that God had for them. And so you can receive, you can be healed, you can find freedom, but you have to prepare for it. You've got to prepare your mind. You've got to transition from doubt in the faith. You've got to prepare your heart. You've got to walk away from sin and into repentance. You've got to change your mind about the way your life has been going. You've got to prepare your spirit through prayer. And you've got to prepare your position. The Bible says they went to Jerusalem. They got in the right place to receive. And then the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like as of a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And the Bible says they went from preparing to receiving. They crossed over. They broke through. They made it to the promised land because God had declared it. They just had to get in position and pray and prepare and get ready to receive because God always keeps His Word. I want us to stand together in this house. How? I ask you, how can something be sudden that you've been waiting for a long time? I want to tell you, I've asked myself, Lord, will I ever see the day where all the things that you've spoken to me come to pass. And let me tell you this. You've got to stop wondering if and start preparing for when. You've got to stop wondering if and start preparing for when. Because he said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. All thy diseases. I heal all of thy diseases. It's not an if. It's a when. I'm the Lord who gives and pours out my spirit upon my people. I will be to you a God and you shall be to me a people. It's not an if, it's a win. And whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is that God spoke to you today, I want to I let there be a time at the end of this service for somebody to walk to the front of this building and say, God, I haven't been getting ready for what you have prepared for me. God, I haven't prepared my life for all the good things that you want. But today, God, I'm going to get in position. 
I'm going to get to the right place. You know where the right place to receive is? It's at the altar. You want to know where the right place to see a turnaround in your life? It's at the altar. You need to come to the place where you can be able to receive what God has for you. Does anybody have a need? I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Anybody have a need that you've been praying for for a while? I want to ask you today, are you ready to receive it? Are you ready? Is your faith ready? Is your heart ready? Is your mind ready? If you're ready to receive, I want you to walk down to the aisle. And I, I, I want you to walk down to the front. And I just want you to lift your hands. And we're going to give God an opportunity to respond to our faith. We're going to give God an opportunity to move in our circumstance. To move in our situation. God, I don't want to miss out on anything that you have for me. God, I don't want to miss out on anything that you prepared for me. God, I want everything that you've declared that is mine. God, I want it in my family. I want it in my life. I want it in my home. I want it on my job. God, I want everything that you have for me. Come on, open up your heart and prepare for the King of glory to come in. Come on, that's it, Lord. God, I'm repenting of doubt. God, I'm repenting of fear. God, whatever is in my life that I'm hanging on to, God, I'm opening up my hand. And I'm, I'm ready, God. I'm ready for you to baptize me with your spirit. I'm ready for you to baptize me with the Holy Ghost. I'm ready for you to heal my body. To deliver me from my diseases, God.